On this podcast, you're going to be hearing some pretty terrible subject matter. We know what you're thinking. That's why we're here. Keep going. However, topics covered may cause emotional or physiological distress to listeners and discretion is advised. Sources for this episode can be found in the show notes. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to <gasps> That's Terrible. Keep going. I'm your co-host, Casey Kay. And I'm Amy Kay. And we are into the third week of April. Jeez, the year's flying by. And it is, again, an Australian episode, just like we promised. Nice. I nice. know. And I think I'll jump straight in if you're ready, Grego. Yep, let's go. So we're heading back to Melbourne this week, so our home city, for a case that my good friend Monique suggested to me. Mm, so shout out. Big shout out to Mon if you're listening. I'll make sure she's listening. <laughs> um, and it's nuts. And it was said to have actually inspired several movies as well here in Australia and globally. Mm. So I think we'll just jump in. Mm -hmm. Okay, so today's episode is actually dedicated to Rachel Barber. Does that name ring a bell? No, but you know I'm shocking with names. I know. So we'll start with who is Rachel. Now, the year that our terrible story unfolds is in 1999 and Rachel Rachel Elizabeth Barber, so Elizabeth was actually her mum's name, so that was her middle name, was a 15-year-old dancer on her way to stardom. The daughter from loving parents, as I mentioned, Elizabeth and Michael Barber, and the older sister to Heather and Ashley Rose, as well as also having a boyfriend at the time called Manny Carilla. Mm-hmm. The teenager was a full-time student at the dance factory in Richmond, as well as an inspiring model. She was athletic, kind, popular, and to top it all off, she was absolutely beautiful. Mm, you can just see it, can't you? You can almost picture it. So if not, I'll give you a paint picture Paint a picture now. <laughs> uh, she had stunning green eyes or, um, as another article describes them, gold, gorgeous emerald. Mm. She was tall and also described to have elfin features in a very endearing way, so really cute nose and ears. Mm. And if you ask me, almost like a kind of fantasy look about her beauty, but mm. in a really beautiful way. Yeah. She, uh, people said that she loved to perform, much like you, doll. Mm, thespian. Oh, we've got a thespian in the room who played Bottom from Midsummer's Night Dream in Year Nine, high school play. Say that character again. <laughs> I wish I knew uh, Bottom. I wish I knew his first name. No, Bottom will do in in Shakespeare's play. Anyway, a big <laughs> fan of the theatre arts. Um, in the chair across the room from me. Mm. But um, nonetheless, we go back to Rachel. So she loved to perform, although away from the spotlight, she was actually fairly shy, especially around people she didn't know. Mm. Rachel was also friends with a woman called Caroline Reed Robinson. She, a 19-year-old, so four years older than Rachel at the time, was yes, the... Yes, we, we can do simple math. Just in case, Joel. Some, someone might be weary at home listening along and asking us to do the numbers. Mm-hmm. But she was Barbara's family's... Tr- family's so the Barber's family's trusted babysitter. Okay. And their younger sisters were best friends, that sort of thing. Yeah. So why, why was she babysitting a 15-year-old Well, then? I mean, in case, you know, Rachel was at dancing and stuff, the younger sisters need babysitting. And just to perhaps have an older person in the house as well, just for extra security, can never be too safe. Gotcha. But a bit more about Caroline. She described herself in her own journal as, quote, pizza face with, quote, 
brown oily hair and no coordination. Oh. <laughs> this also sounds like your diary. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My goodness. Why no, must we always you talk don't. about me bowel movements? <laughs> which are untrue. <laughs> no, but in seriousness, um, <laughs> she's, we've got a giggly Amy Kay today. Anything Let- that puts you down is just funny to me. <laughs> that's the sister way, yes. isn't it? It's the TTK Don't do this way. to anyone else unless you're related. And 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 it's a safe environment and yes. that you love each other very much. Yes. Um, so in this journal, she wrote those harsh things about herself, but she also described Rachel in her journal as everything she wasn't, quote, strikingly attractive with very clear pale skin and hypnotic green eyes. Bit of jealousy forming. Yeah. So this particular journal entry of Caroline was committed in the eventual court script. So you can see where this is kind of going. But Rachel was always, this so quote, Rachel was always wild, let run barefoot in the country, began dating very young, very talented at classical ballet, rebelled and gave up a few times, tried modelling, full stop, dropped out of school early year nine, began new dance school, strikingly attractive dash dancer's body, very clear pale skin, hypnotic green eyes, dyed hair, lots of different colours. So Mm. she's, I mean, I don't know, people might be journaling lots of details, but to me, already amber flags if, if it's kind of that descriptive oh um, right i didn't realize that i thought you were just describing her no so this is what um uh, caroline was writing in her journal yeah. about rachel that's a really strange i don't really yeah, know i don't know but during her time babysitting for the family caroline developed an odd fascination with rachel and it sort of developed uh, a court transcript revealed that two years prior to the terrible event that we will talk about in a bit caroline arranged to take some photographs of rachel for a quote school project which caroline claimed to be undertaking red flag <laughs> <laughs> and we are back to amy k's tagline uh red flag in Indeed. So also during the Aussie summer holidays, so that's between our summer period, which is, you know, December and Jan in 1998 and 1999. So that's the year before our event. So our event's going to happen in 1999. Rachel's younger sister received a call at home from Caroline who asked for Rachel's birth date and her sister's. Mm, maybe to do she's compatible, star signs. <laughs> Look, I wish it was just that, but it becomes a bit more sinister. So Caroline dismissed it as, at the time to the younger sister, needing info for a project she was working on. Mm, this is sus. It, it's exactly. It's becoming a very unhealthy obsession. So much so that in Caroline's apartment, an application for a birth certificate in Rachel Barber's name would be eventually found. So I don't think it was looking at astrology or aligning numbers and things like that. I think it was a case of stealing an identity. Oh. So Caroline was so fixated with Rachel that she wanted to become her. And now we talk about the ultimate lengths that she went to to do so. Honey. It's not going to work. It's not. It's not. But mm. these be- so this is where the prosecutors interpolate that some planning began to take place. So around when she was calling the younger sister back in the summer, a few months or several months before the event took place. Okay. Okay. So now we talk about the terrible part of the case. Keep going. 
<laughs> On the evening of Feb 28, 1999, Caroline called Rachel and told her she could make $100 by participating in a psychology study the very next day. Mm, spare me a dollar. <laughs> I know, I'd sign up for 100 bucks. Uh, she told Rachel to come to her apartment after her dance classes, but she warned her that she couldn't tell anyone about the study or she risked compromising the results. Okay. So Rachel obliged and didn't tell anyone where she was going after her classes on March the 1st. So it's confusing because February 28th is the last day of the month and then it's March 1st the next day. Yeah. Or she didn't even tell anyone that she'd actually spoken with her, only that she would be back after six to meet her dad at the tram stop that evening. Mm -hmm. But earlier that day, she did catch up with her boyfriend, Manny. And when they were hanging out, she pointed out to her boyfriend a pair of shoes that cost around 100 bucks, and said to him that she would purchase them the next day. Yeah. She's planning what to do with her money. Yeah, which would stand out to us. Like we wouldn't buy an outfit if we're like, oh, when your money was coming in, we'd buy an outfit. Like when we're 15, mm. you know. So that would stand out to Manny is like, oh, where are you getting this money from, you know. Yeah. She further told him she was off to do a job that night and she was going to earn a heap of money. She also said that she was meeting up with an old female friend, but she'd tell him about it later. Right. So at around 5.45pm March 1st, Rachel left her classmates to catch the Paran tram with Caroline to Caroline's apartment. Okay. They had pizza together, yum, and some speculate that Caroline, though, may have drugged the pizza here, although, although, and also Caroline had brought some alcohol for them, but Rachel actually declined. Right. It is unclear how long they were eating or chatting before what actually happened next. Mm. Caroline told Rachel that they would begin the study by meditating and thinking about, quote, happy and pleasant things. So trusting Caroline and her directions and familiar with this technique because of its use in theatre arts training, Rachel closed her eyes and relaxed. But then Caroline wrapped a telephone cord around her neck and proceeded to strangle her to death. In one of Caroline's journals eventually found in her apartment, she uh, had detailed her planning writing on the – so this is now um, Caroline's notes in her Mm -hmm. book – On the way to dance school, say that she can't tell anyone and that she's meeting me as I'm not allowed to give the study results to anyone. You know, ethics, highly confidential. Not even her boyfriend, parent, etc. Drug Rachel, in brackets, and her her language, toxic over mouth, brackets, and brackets. Put body into army bags and disfigure and dump somewhere a way out. Oh, my gosh. Also, (sighs) do not write this shit in your diary. No, no. I'm, I'm glad she did, but it's just these... We've seen this in a few cases now. Like, gosh, you can see how deluded or how mentally ill these people are. Yeah. But giving no excuses to Caroline, this is Rachel, a 15-year-old. Caroline then forced Rachel's body into a wardrobe where it remained for two days with the telephone cord still around poor Rachel's neck. That is just nasty as well. Imagine the smell. Oh, So this is also strange, but according to investigators and info from a witness at around 4 a.m. on March the 2nd, so that that later that evening or well into the morning of the next day, um, that one of uh, the apartments in Caroline's building was awakened by loud, loud sounds of crying and sobbing and sounds of someone having somewhat of a tantrum. And that was seemingly from what the neighbor could recount coming from Caroline's bathroom area. 
you know, okay. based on the output. So she's probably maybe having a freak out after the fact. So it's it's a little blurry because of the timelines here, but the sobs or crying may have been from Rachel, maybe struggling, the poor thing, or like you said, more plausible and eerily, the deranged cries from Caroline herself. Yeah. After the several days, she wrapped the poor body in two rugs and stuffed it into an army bag and had the audacity to call a taxi to help her move a, quote, statue to her father's farm out in Kilmore. <laughs> a statue wrapped in a carpet yeah. with a few bloodstains. Oh, who knows? Don't mind them. Oh, my gosh. But this is all her plans. It was all premeditated. She thought of this and wrote this down to herself. So, and it's there at the, the her father's farm out at Kilmore that she buried Rachel in the family pet cemetery in a hastily dug shallow grave. Hasn't she seen that movie as well? Oh, Pet Cemetery. Yes. Oh, Stephen King. Might come back anyway. Yeah, but it's so awful though, you know. It is horrible. But remember, her dad was expecting her at the tram stop that night. Yeah. So we go back to that point in the timeline. So on the evening on Monday 1st of March, Rachel was reported missing by her parents at Box Hill Police Station and their investigation began. Meanwhile, Caroline was behaving really oddly, calling into work sick, withdrawing from her dad and colleagues. And one of her workmates, when she did come into work, actually drove her home because she looked pale and ill. Okay. And so when she did eventually go back to work on March the 4th, she had the nerve to mention it to her supervisor that a friend of hers had gone missing, but that she wasn't worried about it because her friend had done that sort of thing before. She's already setting up the foundations. Yep. So... Uh, we have to recognize the mental illness, but we also have to recognize the sound mind to be so manipulative to plan this sort of thing. Yeah. So on March 7th, Caroline also then called the barber's family home and a f- thankfully a family friend answered. So I, And I couldn't really find a, what that combo was about, um, but the family friend recorded the name and phone number. Yeah. So it's really bizarre that Caroline would feel the need to be close to the sort of I guess, the events of the family and all that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. She then touched on the missing girl again a few days later on March 9th, telling a colleague that the police had spoken to her about the girl disappearing. And at this point, the police hadn't actually spoken to her. So she's trying to, again, make up the porkies here. Plant some seeds. Mm -hmm. Then March 10th, Caroline tried to get an urgent $10,000 personal loan to what she said was for a car. And then on March 11th, actually called the... Your birthday. Yay. But um, she actually called the Bank of Melbourne three times to take on the process of this loan. She's keen. Yeah. But ultimately, her loan request was denied because amongst other things, she actually didn't have a car license. Oh. So you can't get a car loan if you're not registered to actually drive a car. Yeah. So another journal article um, or entry from Caroline, quote, and this was, um, again, in her writing, check farm, including bag, Tuesday, arrange bank loan, moving van, night to disguise hair, thoroughly clean house and steam clean carpet. So, again, all evidence to say that she was planning this so that not only was the, I guess, post-crime cleanup, but the post-crime escape. Yeah. So investigators believe the intention that was for her to run off and live under Rachel's identity elsewhere. Okay. Back to the investigation. So the police looked into people close to Rachel, including her boyfriend for a long time, but nothing seemed to fit. They even considered possibilities like suicide or potentially sex work. 
Right. Which, which must have been awful for their family to go through. Yeah. But thankfully, uh, their investigation led elsewhere when they found a to-do list in Rachel's room suggesting that she had plans that evening that she went pr- missing. So our gorgeous Rachel wrote down what she might have done the next day. So that rules out suicide yeah. at least. Which makes me think, gosh, I mean, I live alone, so I'm going to write notes if I do anything out of the ordinary so you can come find it, doll. Mm. They were able to gather a few pretty accurate witnesses who described seeing Rachel approach the tram and also be in the company of what they described as quite mildly on, I must admit, plain looking, um, and the woman was a little bit older than Rachel. Okay, spot on. Yep. And around the 11th of March, whilst Caroline was all stressing about her personal loan, police actually had a pretty accurate composite sketch of her. But that wasn't all the police had. They had all the telephone records and durations, including the call on the night of February the 28th, where Caroline actually called Rachel to ask her about this. Right. So that was the last call that Rachel received. On that, do you ever wonder how the composite pictures work because how do they get someone to actually look like your description these are like absolute incredible artists i think have you seen them do it on those like crime yeah i mean i must admit some are quite funny but (laughs) like i would just say oh he's got brown eyes Mm -hmm. bushy eyebrows and somehow they narrow it down they must be able to like cut cues oh is it a bit wider or are they a bit more angry looking and then they I don't know, they're so talented. Mm. Gosh, you could do an ep on that. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, and then again, um, again, the house called to March the 7th, so returning to the scene of the crime with that call she made. So police thought they'd check in on who the number belonged to and tried to get her at work, but it was on one of the days that she was sick. On, inverted commas. Yes. On March 12th at around 9.20 a.m., they knocked on the door of Caroline's apartment just to speak, about, speak to her about the disappearance of Rachel, but yeah. no answer. So they returned around 5.30 p.m. with keys they got from a real estate agent, but the keys wouldn't work. So they actually had to get the fireys to help them gain access to the apartment. Okay. Finally, they entered through an open bedroom window and once inside the apartment, the fireman noticed that Caroline was lying on the floor at the foot of her bed, seemingly unconscious. No one else was present in the apartment and a number of empty packets of Tegretol, a drug commonly used in the treatment of epilepsy, was actually found in her place. So it should be noted that Caroline did suffer from epilepsy at the time and some people hypothesised that the arrival of police at her place induced the actual epileptic fit or episode or that the stress of the whole ordeal ensued this um, the seizure, but it's hard to kind of prove that retrospectively. Yep. Whilst they attend to Caroline, police continue to search the property for any signs of Rachel. Obviously, we know, unfortunately, Rachel has already been removed. However, they find a couple of bags containing clothing, which was very close to what Rachel wears and by no means could have actually fit Caroline. Yeah. So Detective Senior Constable Neil Patterson of the Missing Persons Unit, because she's still a missing person at this point, Mm. accompanied Caroline in the ambulance to the hospital and when stable, so around approximately three hours after being admitted to the hospital, proceeded with a conversation about the disappearance of Rachel, to which it was here where Caroline confessed that she killed Rachel. Oh, Caroline revealed to the detective where Rachel's body was and buried on 
and on so where it wasn't buried um, and on Saturday the 13th of March police conducted a search at the Kilmore farm and subsequently located Rachel's body in a shallow grave mm. police also obtained all those journal entries that I touched on earlier in Caroline's handwriting with detailed plans to murder Rachel yeah so now the trial and imprisonment of Caroline Robinson so in October 2000 Caroline was sentenced to to 20 years in prison for Rachel Barber's murder. Yep. The prosecutor on the case, Jeremy Rapke, cited Caroline's infatuation with Rachel as motive for the murder. Quote, It does seem likely that the, the motive is to be found in the accused's obsession and her jealousy of Rachel's attractiveness, popularity and success. Yep, sounds spot on. Yep. In contrast this, the court received information that Caroline herself was never really popular and that she struggled with low self-esteem. And get this, she reportedly once painted a portrait of herself that was completely black. Ooh. Eek. Uh, so by trying to somehow reinvent herself in Rachel's image, um, as forensic psychiatrist Justin Barry Walsh put it, Caroline perhaps thought that she could become as successful and beloved as Rachel had been. So in part of a statement by the ruling judge, Frank Vincent noted, quote, I find the deliberation and malevolence with which you acted extremely disturbing. Another quote from the judge, a real danger to anyone, uh, sorry, a requote, a real danger to any who may become the unfortunate subject of her fixation. Mm. Caroline apparently expressed no remorse for her crimes, um, thought she though she called herself an alien with horrible things bottled up inside her. Ooh. Did she end up getting checked out mentally? So according to psychologist uh, Mr. Michael Crudson, who treated Caroline in jail, there was a moment um, it could have all gone differently the night um, between Caroline and Rachel. And he quotes, there is a poignant and disturbing moment in Rachel Barber's fate seemed to waver in the balance. Caroline told me that she had been in a daze. Then, just for a moment, the veil lifted and, quote, I didn't know what to do, but something said that I was in so much trouble now, I, ha- trouble now, I had to, and it was though the veil had dropped again. Oh. It's like she had a moment of clarity and she's like, oh, no, 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 I've got to, like, maybe stop. And then that stopped and something else took over. Okay. Upon an in-depth evaluation, Caroline was diagnosed with a deeply entrenched personality disorder and is unknown the professional help she actually received further in jail. Oh, therefore lack of. Yeah. Uh, An article also said she seemingly spent her time behind bars, drastically changing her physical appearance to look more like Rachel. Mm. And poor Elizabeth, remember Rachel's mother, even commented immediately upon seeing her, quote, there's a real likeness there. Because, I mean, the media were covering this heavily um, in Melbourne and in Australia. So um, when we find out what happens next, images of her post-prison did come out. So it would have been so hard for her mother. So what happens afterwards? So where we are now in January 2015, Caroline was actually released from prison in Deer Park after serving only 15 years of her 20-year sentence. Mm, So parole. Yep. Um, And I get a bit angry here because remembering Rachel was only 15 years herself and the remainder of her life was taken away. So I can't imagine what it would be like for the Barber family. And this is heavily, you know, in the media and stuff like that. Um, And knowing as well that she was remorseless and that part was released, um, 
it's it's a bit hard to understand that process but we really hope that she's resting in peace and um unfortunately if Rachel was still with us today she would have been 39 years old this year so mm. it's it's really upsetting but just um so that sort of brings us to the end of the terrible details but um but just to finish off here the case was made into a movie in 2009 it's called in her skin and despite starring a number of a-list aussies so we've got guy pierce miranda otto sam neil rebecca gibney again um and the under the underrated film never received a widespread sort of cinematic release so it wasn't really promoted as such um but that's the end of this ep oh well it is nice to hear a homegrown ep but, but not tragic, under these, yes. yeah, not under these circumstances. And that wraps up our April month for the Australian cases. And thanks, Mon, for recommending this one. I think I had heard of it, but I just it was so far in the back of my mind that I didn't know the details. Yes, I have heard of it before, actually. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, interesting. But we'll be back again in May, guys. Um, it's, it's almost a shame that we might have to dip out of Australia for a different case, but we'll try to bring you something new ne- next month. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, on behalf of TTKG, we're going to say TTYL. And keep on going on everything that you're doing and have a good day, night or week. Goodbye. Bye. Have you got a terrible story of your own? A connection to true crime or something terrible? Write to us at ttkgpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know who you are, where you're from, and whether the story and names are safe to share on the podcast. Feel free to tell us if you wish to remain anonymous. We would love to hear from you and we would love to share your terrible tales with our listener friends.